Hello, everybody. I am so excited to share today's episode with you because this is a topic that I really wish I knew about earlier. It's a topic that I get questions about all the time. And I think not only my life, but all of our lives would play out so differently if we knew more information about the wisdom that we can glean from our cycles. Today, I am speaking to the incredible Talia Schubert. Talia is a registered nurse and a fertility awareness method or FAM educator living in Tel Aviv. She loves helping women understand and connect with their cycles through learning the fertility awareness method. She teaches FAM as a method of natural birth control and as a way to optimize conception or as a tool to understand your cycle and your health. Listen in to hear Talia share how her experience being on hormonal birth control led to her feeling anxious and not like herself, so she got off of hormonal birth control and started to use fertility awareness method, how this experience led to her leaving her job as a nurse practitioner and actually becoming a fertility awareness method educator, what FAM is and how women can use it both to help them get pregnant as well as a non-hormonal method of birth control, what's actually happening during our cycles and how to know when we're fertile, why so many women are fed up with hormonal birth control and are looking for non-hormonal options, what important health benefits we get from ovulating, why we should be looking at our cycles as a sign of our overall health, why FAM can be for you even if you're not quote-unquote crunchy or part of the hairy armpit club, why FAM is especially important for women with PCOS or a thyroid disorder, how stress can prevent or delay ovulation, and so much more. I know that this is a jam-packed episode with so much knowledge. You guys are going to love it. So let's dive in. Welcome to the About Health and Hormones podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Allen, a recovered sugar addict turned certified nutrition coach on a mission to help women learn how to balance their hormones and optimize their fertility. On this podcast, we have conversations with experts about all things health, hormones, wellness, nutrition, and more to give you the information, tips, and tricks you need to take control of your health and feel amazing in your body. I am so happy that you're here and I can't wait to dive in. Hi, Talia. Welcome to the show. Hey, Lauren. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here because not only do I love all the content that you share, but I actually took your course and I learned so much from you. And I was just telling you before we started recording, I think the fertility awareness method is something that needs to be more accessible to people because I am constantly hearing from people about how much they're struggling with birth control and how much they're struggling with just even understanding what's going on with their cycle. And as someone who wasn't so naturally attuned to doing things like this, when I started practicing it, I learned so much about my own health and my own body. And I thought I was tapped in before, but this took it to a whole new level. So I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm really excited to dive into this with you. And before we even start talking about fertility awareness method, can you just tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you got to be where you are today? Totally. Um, so first of all, yeah, I mean, I'm also just so excited to talk about this. Like I live for talking about this stuff and just for sharing this information with people and just like, it's so exciting to be able to share it with like your audience and people that I know probably do are interested and want to understand their cycles. So it's really exciting to talk about. Um, but a little bit about me is I live in Tel Aviv. I used to be a nurse. 
um, I've worked in various places in hospitals in New York, in hospitals in Israel, um, in the Kupan Israel, if anyone knows what that is. Um, and I basically um, was on hormonal birth control, like many of us were, you know, when we started being sexually active, we just were on hormonal birth control or even before we were sexually active, you know, it's like you have period cramps, you have acne, you have whatever to take the pill. And that's, we could get into that. But anyways, I was on hormonal birth control and feeling so miserable and just like really depressed and anxious. And I had like zero sex drive. Um, and I was just like, this is terrible. I don't know who I am. Like, this is not me. Like I felt so out of body and I was just like, okay, like I need to see a therapist and like get my life together, get my, what, see what's going on with me. But also like, what if it's the pill that's causing this? Oh, you intuitively thought maybe this is the pill you knew to even have that thought. Yeah. Cause I knew because I had, I was only on it for maybe like six or seven months. And I was just like, I don't feel like myself. Like, I don't feel like I just, I wasn't myself. I was so, I was having such bad anxiety. I was actually flying to the States to a friend's wedding and I was leaving my husband behind, not behind. I just was leaving. <laughs> That's even more dramatic than it needed to be. But like, and I remember hysterical crying. I was like, I can't leave you. And like, that's not me. That's just, it's not me. That's not who I am. Like, that's, I'm so independent. Like that's, it was just so, I was like, this isn't who I am. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I need to also like start seeing a therapist, but I'm also like this, what if it's the pill? Like, how do I know it's not the pill? Um, that's so interesting. Cause I know so many people who get on it when they get married. And I think they attribute a lot of the changes in mood to the marriage and to the fact that they're starting this whole new transition, but they don't know to think maybe it's also the pill. So I think that's, that's actually so unique or just thank God you were able to recognize that that might be one of the issues. Yeah. And I think it's also like, I always say this, that it's like such a disservice to women that like, we don't really give them a choice and they're not given a choice. They're basically just told like, let's say women who are only sexually active after they get married, they're basically told, okay, you're getting married. You have to go on the pill. Um, mm -hmm. And then they start their whole marriage like this. And they don't even know, they don't realize that, yeah. you know, like what you're saying that like, like, how do I know? Like, is marriage really tough? Is, does sex just bring up a lot of emotions for me? Or, mm -hmm. or like, am I, is this hormonal birth control actually just like making me a little bit crazy? Yeah. Um, I went off, I went off. I decided I had no plan. I had, didn't know what I was going to, I was just like, I don't want to get pregnant still, but I had no plan. I was just like, I'm going off. And I like, I just needed to. And within like three days, I felt like my, like myself again. Like I was just, oh my gosh. and this, I cannot tell you how many women come to me with these stories. Like I literally have the chills. It's so crazy. Yeah. And, but this is, this is, I hear this from so many women, women that I work with or that I talk to about it. And they're like, okay, I'm going to go off and they go off and feel like themselves again. And it's wow. crazy. It's, it really, it really like being on hormonal birth control, like, as you know, you know, you know, all about hormones that it, it, it changes us. It changes like our entire system. It changes everything. It changes our moods. It changes our ability to manage stress. It, it really affects us. And like, um, um, so yeah, so that's kind of what eventually brought me to learning about fertility awareness method. And as soon as I discovered it, I became like obsessed and I needed to learn like everything about it. And then I, yeah, I took a course to become an educator and I left my job as a nurse. And now this is what I've been doing the past two years. And it's like, it's incredible to be able to do it. It's so amazing. And as someone, again, who's taken your workshops, it's so fitting that you're doing this. I'm sure it was crazy to transition from being a nurse and then going towards this more natural approach to health and hormones, which I'm sure we could also get into. 
But for people who are listening and don't even really know what fertility awareness method is, because I feel like sometimes in our world, we're very plugged into it. And I hear people talking about how they're syncing their diets and their workouts to their cycle. But for some people, this is all completely new. And they're like, wait, what are you even talking about? So can you just back up and explain to us what is the fertility awareness method? And can you talk a little bit about how it's used, whether it's for birth control or for planning for conception? Yeah. So what the fertility awareness method is, is it's basically a way of tracking our cycles in order to understand what is going on in our bodies. So we basically track, there's a a few different types of methods that track different things. The method that I teach, we track um, cervical mucus, which is our discharge that, you know, that's usually what people call it. Um, And we track our basal body temperature, which is just like taking our temperature first thing in the morning. So with this information, we literally can understand, we learn so much about our bodies, but like the just kind of on a basic level, it basically tells us when we're fertile and when we're not. So women who are trying to get pregnant, it's really helpful because you'll know exactly when you're fertile, when you can conceive. Um, and you'll also be able to see, did I ovulate? When did I ovulate? Things like that. Um, and people who are trying to avoid pregnancy, um, you're able to also understand exactly when you're fertile so that you know to either, you know, not have sex then or to use some sort of barrier method or, you know, something in that time so that you could, um, avoid pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so it's wild with such little basic information of just tracking mucus and temperatures. It just gives us so, so much information about our body. And that's, that's like really at a basic level. What it is, is it really just helps us kind of get an idea of when we're fertile, when we're not, and where exactly is ovulation happening. Yeah. And for people who, again, for this is new for them, I know a lot of people were taught you have to use some sort of protection. Otherwise you can get pregnant at any time in your cycle, no matter what the day it is. But can you explain a little bit how we're not really able to get pregnant every single day of the month? Yeah. So that's actually something that I think takes a lot of unlearning because we've been so ingrained in that. Like we've been so drilled to like, believe that, like, you know, it's like that episode of, um, mean and not episode in mean girls when they're like, you know, what, if you have unprotected sex, like you will get whatever yeah. you, will <laughs> you will get pregnant, you will get an STD and you will die. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, that's like what we've all been taught basically. And um, which isn't true um, because there really is only a certain window of our cycle that we're fertile. Um, and so if you have sex before that window, or if you have sex after that window, you totally cannot get pregnant. And the reason that that is, is because basically we ovulate once a cycle, like once it's one event. Like the egg gets released from our ovary. That's what ovulation is. Um, And so the egg gets released from our ovary and it only lives for about 12 to 24 hours. And so during that time that the egg is released, we're fertile, obviously, because that egg was released from our ovary and it's waiting for that sperm to come fertilize it. Um, But also as we're leading up to ovulation, our body produces this cervical mucus um, and the sperm could actually live inside of the cervical mucus for up to five days, which is pretty wild. So we basically have this window, which includes the days that we have cervical mucus, where the sperm can be surviving and waiting for that egg up until we actually do ovulate. So for every woman, that's different, but I would say on average about like 10 days of being fertile a cycle. And then before that, and after that, like you could have unprotected sex and you will not get pregnant. Um, And it's, it's people think like, that's crazy. That's crunchy. That doesn't work. Um, There are ways of doing this where it won't work. Like if you're not doing it properly, if you're not learning, we're learning with an instructor. If you don't really understand it, yes, like you can get pregnant if you do it wrong. Um, also, if you just assume like, oh, I'm already on cycle day 28, I must have ovulated and I must not be fertile anymore. That also won't work because you might ovulate later that cycle and you can get pregnant. Um, but if you learn it right and you're doing it right, like 
it's a really good method of birth control. Um, yeah. And I guess like something else, like I just want to add that I know you didn't ask this yet, but I just want to add it because people yeah. might be confused. Like what does cervical mucus have to do with this? What's anything? And I like to kind of like paint this picture of what is going on in our cycles when we track them. And basically what happens is after we have our period, um, at some point our body gets this signal of like, okay, like let's get ready to release this egg at ovulation, like body, like let's get ready to ovulate. And so our egg inside of our ovary starts to like go through this final growth and maturation process before it gets released. Mm-hmm. And during that growth process, our ovaries start releasing estrogen and the estrogen is what causes our cervix to produce this mucus. And so when we're seeing all of this cervical mucus before like ovulation, and I'm sure everyone has seen this, everyone has seen this mucus. Maybe they didn't know what it was. Maybe, you know, you were like, is there something wrong with me? Do I have an infection? Like yeah. you're probably seeing cervical mucus. And what's basically happening is that like when you see cervical mucus, I always like to say this, is that when you one time may have wiped and been like, oh, this is so weird. What is this? Um, once you learn this information, you basically could see cervical mucus and be like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing cervical mucus. Now I know that my egg in my ovary is growing. It's releasing estrogen. And this estrogen is triggering my cervix to produce this mucus. And that's why I'm seeing this mucus here. Like it doesn't come out of nowhere. And so when we're tracking our cycles with fertility awareness method, basically, as soon as I see this mucus, I know that I'm fertile because I know ovulation is approaching. I know that sperm can live inside of this mucus. And, you know, I'm kind of waiting for ovulation to happen. And then when I do actually ovulate, the coolest thing that happens is that my body starts producing progesterone after ovulation and progesterone does two really cool things that is helpful for tracking our cycle. Um, The first one is that it dries up the mucus. So like, whereas like I was seeing all this cervical mucus, all of a sudden I don't see any more mucus and it also raises my body temperature. And so if I was taking my temperature every day, I would see that my body temperatures were at this like lower range. And then after ovulation, it jumps up and it stays high until my next period. And so this is kind of how we get all this information to understand where am I in my cycle? Am I fertile? Am I not? Did I ovulate? Where did I ovulate? And things like that. It's so cool. And I can say as someone who practiced it, I remember just, it really helped me respect my body a lot more and just kind of appreciate the wisdom of the female body in these ways that you would never know. Cause I don't feel hotter after I've ovulated. Like I don't feel the rise in body temperature in a way that I can sense necessarily. But I remember with recording my temperatures and doing all the things, I was just like, wow, my body is preparing to literally create life. And it does it every month, whether I'm actively trying to get pregnant or not. And it really is so cool. It just gave me such an appreciation for this underlying system that's going on, whether I'm thinking about it or not, but it brings it into your consciousness. Um, And I just, I think it's so cool. So I know that one thing that a lot of people really like to use it for is just to understand also what's going on in their cycle. So could you talk a little bit about what does a healthy cycle look like from a fertility awareness method perspective and what should we be looking for if someone is tracking their basal body temperature, they're looking for the cervical mucus, um, or are there any red flags that can come up when you're practicing fertility awareness method that we should be looking out for? Yeah, totally. And I always like to tell the women that I teach that like, it's, I mean, they call like a lot of people in this world call our cycle, our fifth vital sign, um, which I actually always say, like, I'm just like a huge nerd, but like, I'm a nurse before I was fertility awareness educator, like I said, and we used to track five vital signs. So technically I'm like, it's supposed to be the sixth vital sign. Like there already are five, but I don't know. It's like gotten, everyone calls it the fifth vital sign. So but funny because I've wondered about that. I'm like, why does everyone say the fifth? Aren't there five? So yes, it's funny you there are that. five. 
It's so weird. Okay. I don't know. This is what they call it. But basically people really, I mean, people refer to our cycle as our fifth vital sign because we learn so much about our health through our cycle. And it's almost insane. Sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it is insane that like when we go to a doctor, the first question isn't like, how's your cycle? Are you Mm -hmm. ovulating? What's like, like going deep into our cycle information, because that is like, this is like such like a report card of our health. But I feel like um, most people don't even have it. Let's, I, I don't even know if most doctors would know what to ask for, but I feel totally. like most women don't even have that information. Totally. They don't, don't actually know if they're ovulating or not, you know? Totally. No, you're right. It's true. And so, so things that like, I always like to look out for and just kind of like seeing is my cycle healthy. So something first is that we want to look at like how, what is my bleeding like? Am I bleeding enough? Am I bleeding too much? Or am I bleeding too little? So something that kind of gives us like a good estimate is we want to say seeing three to seven days of bleeding, sorry about that, um, with at least one day of medium or heavy flow. So that means if I'm having like five days of like super light, barely needing a panty liner, you know, just like switching panty liners in and out, like that's too light. Um, and if I'm bleeding, like putting in lots of super tampons and just like tons and tons, and it's just like so much flood, that sounds like it's too heavy. Um, there are kind of actually ranges, like they say between 25 to 80 mLs of total blood loss, which whatever. You might be like, how am I supposed to measure that? Right. Um, but anyways, it's not about being like so crazy about it. It's just being aware that like you're kind of bleeding a healthy amount because how much we bleed really gives us an estimate of our, um, it shows us if our body's producing enough estrogen. It'll show us, is it producing too much estrogen, too little? Um, and so that's kind of something we're grabbing from our menstrual cycle, just like the beginning, the bleed. Um, the next thing I want to be looking for is, am I ovulating? Which also, if we're not tracking our cycles, we wouldn't know. Um, but that's a really big sign of health because basically if my body is not ovulating, that's something I really want to look into. I want to try to understand why am I not ovulating? What's the root cause here? How can I treat that? Um, because ovulation is really a sign of health also. Um, you know, like our bodies, like in order to have optimal health, our bodies are supposed to be going through that process of ovulation to be wanting to be making babies. Yeah. I always, I always say, even if you don't want to be actively getting pregnant, the evolutionary goal of the female body is to try and pass off offspring. So this isn't about someone who necessarily wants to, or doesn't want to get pregnant. And there's a lot of other things that come with ovulation. I mean, I know you obviously know this, but we get a lot of benefits from progesterone every single month. When we get that natural dose of progesterone after we ovulate, that is important for so many things, thyroid health, bone health, mood, sleep. And that is important to know that you're able to do that. And it has health implications, even if you're not someone who's like, I want a baby in my body right now. Totally. Exactly. And actually the only way also, I didn't know this, but the only way to get progesterone in our body is through ovulation, which is also something that people, I think a lot of people don't realize because oftentimes when we, you know, we take hormonal birth control, we're like, I'm getting progesterone for my hormonal birth control. But in reality, we're taking, you know, in hormonal birth control, there's something called progestin, which is a synthetic progesterone. And so you basically, it can act like progesterone in the fact that, you know, if you're not getting pregnant, you're not, it, it's, you're not actually having a period, you're not ovulating. It, you know, it kind of gives your body certain things that progesterone can do, but you have zero of the actual health benefits of progesterone, which you only get from ovulating. And so that's why really ovulation is such a sign of our health. Um, and so that's something else that we're looking for in our cycles. Um, another thing is we want to also be aware of our luteal phase, which is the amount of days from ovulation until our next menstrual cycle, until our next bleed. And that amount of time will basically show me if my body's producing enough progesterone. Um, because basically our body produces progesterone from ovulation until our next period. And so that window of time, if it's, it has to be at least 
10 days, like at a minimum. Um, and so if it's less than that, it's showing me that I'm not producing enough progesterone. And if it's, I mean, it's good for it to be longer, but if it's less than that, that's really a sign that I want to kind of look into that. And there are things that we could do to, you know, improve the health of our cycle. It's not, that's also something I always like to say, like, if you are listening to this and you're like, I don't think I'm ovulating or, you know, I'm pleading for only three days and it's so light, what's happening to me? Is there something wrong with me? Or my luteal phase is only five days. Like, oh my God, my progesterone is so low. If you're hearing any of this and you're like, oh my goodness, um, the amazing thing about our cycle is that there's so much space for improving our health and doing things to improve the health of our cycle. And like, nothing is permanent, you know, nothing is like, like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And how am I going to get to the other side? Like, there's so much, obviously Lauren teaches like a lot of this and, you know, this is what she does. Um, but there's so much to improve our cycle health that it's never like a doomsday type of thing. If we do have some sort of issue. Yeah, totally. Our bodies are so resilient. And I actually think this is one of the cool things that happens with fertility awareness method. I know when I work with people who already know something is off in the body, let's say they have low progesterone and they've been dealing with recurrent miscarriage or infertility or something like that. What's cool is that when they're practicing fertility awareness method at home, they're able to actually see changes as they go throughout their cycle before they necessarily go into the doctor's office and have to start doing, you know, ultrasounds to check the uterine lining or to do blood tests to check progesterone levels. They could start seeing, oh, wait, this time my luteal phase went up a little bit and it increased. And, you know, I'm seeing a rise in my temperature. I'm seeing that I'm ovulating. And so I think for me, what's so empowering with fertility awareness method is that you just get that information on your own. You don't have to go to somebody else to check in. And of course, there are times and places where you should be working with a doctor and confirming these things in the lab. But I think we shouldn't have to go ask for permission or request an appointment to get this information. I think it's very empowering to just be able to wake up and take your temperature and check the cervical mucus and have that information about your own body on your own. Totally. And I think especially like when you, we talk about like, I mean, obviously this is amazing for birth control and that's, I would say, probably primarily the women that come to me, I may say it's a little more than like half women that come to me for birth control, but I think it's specifically so empowering for women who are trying to get pregnant because it can feel so confusing, you know, and it could feel like women feel so lost and we feel so disempowered and we feel so like disconnected from our bodies, you know, and it's just like, like we have no idea the first thing. We don't know if we're ovulating, you know, we're peeing on these ovulation stakes being like, Do I see an LH rise? Do I this? Like, what is an LH surge? What am I looking for? Am I? Is it not? We're like so confused. And like, and I think that like, at least with this, and I always tell women this when I teach them who are trying to conceive, it's not like you learn this and it guarantees you that you'll get pregnant in X amount of time, but at least you learn this and you know what's going on with your body. Like even for myself, when I was trying to get pregnant um, and I know this, I was practicing already for a long time and I know my cycle very, very well. But I saw that I had two anovulatory cycles, which is our two cycles where I basically, or two anovulatory, anovulatory bleeds, which basically means that I had a bleed, which might look like a period, but it's not really a period. It's something called an anovulatory bleed because I basically never ovulated before this bleed. And the reason that I knew I didn't ovulate was because I was seeing lots of cervical mucus, but I never saw a temperature shift. Um, but I had a bleed, bef- I had a bleed even though I never saw a temperature shift. So basically what a period is, is we ovulate, we have that temperature shift. And then around two weeks later, we'll get a period. But what this anovulatory bleed is, is when I basically bled, but I never ovulated beforehand. Um, and so for me, as I was trying to conceive, this was a big red flag for me. You know, this was like, okay, this is, but also it doesn't mean like, oh my goodness, like the world is going to collapse. It's just like, I need to do something about this. I have to look into this. Um, 
And for me, that was super empowering that I had this information that I knew to look out for something that I knew where to get help from. Well, it also probably saves you so much time instead of waiting a year to start going to a fertility clinic and looking into things. I mean, anyways, you could start doing things on your own, but I think that's also the issue for a lot of people when they're trying to get pregnant is let's say they're having anovulatory bleeds. They think everything is fine with their periods. Maybe they would have even had a positive ovulation strip test because they were producing LH, but it wasn't a true, There, no ovulation actually took place. And then they wind up waiting a year to get tested and find out they don't, they don't actually ovulate. So I feel like that's also, you just get the information sooner, but yeah, sorry. Continue telling us how it affected you when you were trying to get pregnant. No, I was going to say that for me, like I always, um, a big red flag for me is that whenever I see something like that in my cycle, I always know it's connected to my thyroid because I have hypothyroid, which I know, I think like line three women have like so many women. Yeah. I was going to ask you about thyroid. So yeah. Tell us about yeah how it affects thyroid. For me, I always know that it's, it's, I should look into my thyroid, see what's going on. And I obviously did blood tests and it wasn't like anything critical, but I did start working with a health coach to, you know, change the way I was eating. Cause I wasn't, I didn't know a lot of this stuff. A lot of the stuff that you teach, I didn't know anything about that. Um, and, you know, even though I was in this space of fertility awareness and women's health, but I still wasn't really, you know, I didn't really know that much about how to eat well and, you know, things like that lifestyle things. And so I started to change a lot of things like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, eventually, obviously I did get pregnant and it it's, I just think that like, like, yeah, I just think that it's, it's something that like, we're all, we all deserve to know this information, you know, even if it's like you learn it, somebody learns it, but they don't even end up practicing it for so long. Or, you know, it's just like, we all should have learned this in middle school when we had, you know, the period talk. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I mean, sadly, like the world is kind of like, like doctors don't make money by us learning this information, you know, because now we have the power and now we, we are able to heal ourselves or find other practitioners and, and it's just like, nobody really makes money. It's from us learning this. And I think that's kind of sadly the way that the world is kind of like structured sometimes, like when it comes to like health things. And there's a lot, there's a lot of money in the birth control business. And I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole because <laughs> that's just another conversation for another time. But a lot of it does have to do with this. And I, I always want to, you know, remind myself, remind other people. I don't think this is any particular doctor's fault for not even presenting this as a method for birth control or telling women it's their option. It's like, this is just kind of the system. And I think now we are in this time period where people are getting so much more information from people like you, from social media, from podcasts, from all these different places where they do feel like, okay, but if there are things that I could do to actually learn about my body or empower myself, I want to be doing them. So it's, I do think there is a shift happening, at least from the ground yeah. up. Um, and I want to also talk about for people who are already experiencing some kind of hormone imbalance, let's say PCOS, or you mentioned thyroid conditions. I know that there's a lot that you can glean from practicing fertility awareness method, and maybe it's a little bit different when you practice it, but can you tell us how, how it might play out with someone who has, let's say PCOS or another kind of hormone imbalance? Totally. So Oftentimes I'd say that the woman that I teach who let's say have PCOS or I'd say the majority PCOS, um, women that come to me and they might have like really long cycles. Um, oftentimes what we're seeing is like I mentioned, like they're having super long cycles where either they're seeing that they are ovulating or that they're not. Sometimes they might be ovulating super late into their cycle, maybe on cycle day 50. Someone actually, a client just messaged me. She just ovulated on cycle day, like 65. And then, I mean, she's looking to use this for birth control. Um, and so she ovulated super late. It was like, you know, it's like a two month cycle. Wow. Um, yeah. And so we're basically, we're kind of 
seeing it like that. And we're seeing just a really long time until they ovulate um, because it basically takes your body sometimes a really long time. You know, it's like you might be seeing lots of cervical mucus and you might be thinking, I'm going to ovulate any day now. Okay. Maybe now any day, like soon, I bet you I'm going to ovulate, but it can often just feel like a really long time before ovulation actually comes. Um, and that's something like we basically usually see with women with hormonal imbalances or PCOS. Um, and I think that, that it's also like you were saying that you, you learn so much, like when you do start to make changes in your health and your diet and your lifestyle, um, you can start to see that maybe you're ovulating earlier in your cycle. Maybe you're, you're having your luteal phase gets longer or your luteal phase is, you know, just whatever it is, maybe you're having less spotting before your period. Cause that's also something that would also kind of give me an indication about my progesterone levels. Um, maybe you're getting, you know, you used to have super, super heavy periods and you're getting, your periods are like feeling more regular and not as heavy. And so these are things that we all kind of learn from our cycle as we're tracking it. I mean, that's kind of what you were saying is that the coolest thing is that we literally get real time proof of what's happening aside from just like how I feel and how I, you know, what, what, how I'm sleeping and how my stress is and how my energy is like, that's all really important, but we're also getting like actual data here that I don't need to go to a lab and get my blood taken. Yeah. I'm wondering for other women with PCOS, because I know that when I was tracking it, or let me, let me actually back up before I even knew anything about this. I had always learned you ovulate around the time you go to the mikvah. So as an Orthodox Jewish woman, I go to the mikvah when I'm, you know, when I'm cycling and I had always learned, that's what I learned in college classes. Like, okay, this is when you're really? supposed to go. I mean, that's when you're, I'm shocked. You're, are you being sarcastic? No, I'm a hundred percent serious. I'm shocked. Oh no. They told me like, this is also the time you're most likely to get pregnant because it's about ish day 14. And that's when most people ovulate. And I want to ask you how true is that, that most people are ovulating on day 14, or is that a total myth? And most women are not even ovulating on day 14. Cause I was always trying to get pregnant around then. And only when I started practicing this, I realized I'm ovulating way later, even at my most healthy, I was not ovulating on day 14. I was, it was a little later, 15, 16, but I always thought like day 14, mikvah day is the time to try. So can you talk a little bit about that myth? Yeah. I was so just saying that I was shocked only because I, I recently became a college teacher last year through on the Eden Center, um, which is a place in Israel. And they actually like really stressed the fact to talk to women about this, that like, we don't always ovulate on day 14 and talking to women about fertility and just met, talking, just telling them that like, it's not always day 14. Um, so that's why I was shocked. I can't believe that. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm like a little bit like in a different world where I just assume people like, I don't know. I mean, it was six, seven years ago. I do yeah, think a lot's changed even in the last six, seven years. I know. Years. I agree with you. I think, and I don't changed. think it was shared with any malintent. I think, of course, you know, no, it's I think that's really the way that people believe. are taught. Um, totally. but I knew that that was really shocking for me. Like, oh, I'm actually ovulating, I don't know, four five, six weeks, or at least, you know, in the beginning when I was learning about all this, it could be four five, six weeks after I had gone to the mikvah. So that was really important for me to know while trying to get pregnant. And obviously if someone's using it for birth control, my opinion, at least maybe you could speak more to this is you have to be a little bit more careful practicing this when you're using it for birth control rather than sure. using it to conceive. Cause my thought was always, listen, if you mess up when you're trying to get pregnant, okay, you miss this month, you have another opportunity. But if you are trying to not get pregnant and you make a mistake, that has a very different implication. Um, and yeah, can you also talk a little bit about that? Because I know a lot of people are really nervous about using this as a primary form of, of birth control. So can you maybe talk about how people can do it, make it a little 
more accessible that like real women can do this. You don't have to be this super crunchy granola girl to practice fertility awareness method. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Of course. Yeah. So, so wait, first I just wanted to mention about ovulation around day 14 and then I want to get to that though, but I just wanted to mention that definitely women don't. And like, it's, it's so crazy to me that, that that's like, that was taught to all of us. And it also does kind of tie into birth control in a minute, but it's just crazy to me that like we were taught so little about our cycles and we were all taught about day 14 is ovulation day when like what you're saying, like I also at my healthiest, healthiest cycle, I never ovulate before day 20, like ever, 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 like it doesn't happen. And it's totally healthy. My cycles are healthy. It's yeah. not like, I think some people think that like, if you ovulate later than day 14, there's something wrong with you and your cycles aren't as healthy. Like as long as you're ovulating and your cycles are, let's say, I don't know, I usually like to say under 40 days that's a healthy cycle. Um, it's, it's not more healthy if you ovulate closer to day 14, um, which is pretty crazy, but kind of tying this into birth control is that that's, this method is really accessible to a lot of women. I know it sounds really crunchy and weird. And like, how can this actually work for birth control? Um, but it really does. And it really is simple. And I would just say that like something that often this gets confused with is the rhythm method and that's, or the calendar method, which is really different than this. And that method is when everyone assumes that women ovulate on day 14. And so basically you're, they basically say that like you are fertile from let's say day 10 to day 20. I don't remember exactly how the method, I don't know how the method works, but let's say something like that, or you're fertile from day, I don't know, something, some range of that. And then before that and after that, you're totally not fertile. And it's basically just like a calendar that you day this to this in my cycle, I'm fertile and the rest of it, I'm not. Oh my gosh. It sounds like there's a lot of room for error. <laughs> like tons, 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 especially if I ovulate on day 22 and I thought I was not fertile then, then like it, it doesn't work. Totally doesn't work. Um, but the way this does work for birth control is like practically all you have to do to use this method for birth control is like every time you go to the bathroom, you check for cervical mucus by just wiping, like you wipe from front to back. You like, which most people are doing anyways, when they go to the bathroom, Exactly, it's not an It's not really an extra step. Totally. The only extra step is just like being aware of it and just saying like, okay, how did this feel when I wiped? Did it feel slippery? Did it feel moist? Did it feel dry? Um, and then looking at your tissue and seeing if anything is there. Um, and then you just basically put it into an app on your phone so that you could remember and see, I chart it as you go. Um, and first thing in the morning, when you wake up, you just take your temperature with a bagel body thermometer, which is basically a thermometer that has like two decimal points after it's like 97.65, you know? So it's like, instead of just 97.6, it's 97. Six, five. Right. It's more sensitive. Exactly. And so that's basically all you do. And with that information, you could literally just get all the information of, am I fertile? Am I not? And there are rules for using this for birth control. Um, if you are looking to use it for birth control, though, I really recommend learning with an instructor, taking a course, because um, that does also really increase the efficacy, like having someone to ask questions, being able to, you know, say, hey, what's this type of mucus that like I get pictures of mucus all the time. I get I mean, I get tons of questions. Like I always tell women that when they learn the method with me, like the five classes that I teach is like an intro and like they're getting the information, but all the learning happens in like the year afterwards where they're messaging me and we're talking and I'm helping them understand their cycles. And I'm helping them understand when they're fertile and when they're not. Um, and it really is doable. It's not like a, a crazy weird method. Like it's, it's amazing. And people, I don't know, something that gives me a lot of hope is that a lot of people that you would never expect to come to me. Like they're not crunchy. It's not like a hairy armpit club, which there's nothing wrong with hairy <laughs> armpits. That's just sometimes what I like to call it. Like that's not like the woman that I teach. And 
some women do, but that's also, that's that is so some funny. of the women. But also, it's not like, I was saying the people that I teach are super like mainstream, like not very, like they're regular people Yeah, that just were kind of like fed up with being on hormonal birth control or, you know, don't like their options, don't like their IUD. They don't like their, whatever they were using. They're kind of just like, I want to feel my body. I want to feel connected to myself. I want to feel connected to my cycle. I think another big part of it also is like, also, I know like a lot of the people, your audience and also mine is like our like religious Jewish women. And so it's also a big part of it is like wanting to feel connected to your cycle spiritually as well. You know, where like we have this process that we go through every cycle where we, we bleed, we have like a, where that exists in like a non-sexual space. And then we, we kind of go to the mikvah afterwards and we kind of switch spaces and we, it's like, I don't know, my experience of going through that kind of cycle on the pill was like, I hated it. It was just like, it felt so artificial. It felt like my, because it's like a path and it always comes at the same time. My period always came on like a Sunday. And then I would always go to the mikvah like the following Thursday. And it was just like, boom, 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 boom. You know what I mean? Like it was like, so interesting. It was so robotic. That's how it felt robotic. Something I've always wondered about, maybe you're a good person to ask because you're also a certified college teacher. You do fertility awareness method. Why do you even have to go when you're not really ovulating? Like it's not a true period. So why is it? I mean, I can probably figure out why it is because whatever, that's how the rules work. But it doesn't even really make sense because you're not going from a place where you were potentially fertile to, you know, it, it didn't happen. It's not a real period. Like you tell people. Yeah. And it's definitely different. Like when you know, like when you know, like this is not a period, this is like an anovulatory bleed. And especially that could be frustrating because oftentimes those bleeds are shorter and lighter. And so it's not even like a full period, but yeah, I mean, like it is still like uterine bleeding and like the way I always like to kind of like phrase it as like, and this has been a big shift for me since ditching the pill and starting to practice fertility awareness is it's like when my period comes, it's not like, oh my goodness, like it's my period, like, oh, so annoying. Like, oh man, like now separateness, now we're changing space. It's like, it's like my period comes and it's like, I'm like, okay, my body is showing me like, it's time for me to retreat a little bit. Like it's time for some personal space. It's time to take some separate, like physical separation, um, not emotional separation, but just like, you know, physical space. Um, and it's like, it's like, there's no fighting it anymore. Like that for me, I think has been such a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's been such a relief. I don't know. Like it's made the whole experience so much more like, I don't know, like enjoyable and, and like deeper. And it's just like, it's like, not like, oh, I don't know. Like, I think so many women get that experience of like, they get their period and they're like, oh my God, my period. Like, oh, so annoying. Oh my gosh. Why, why? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, we're fighting ourselves Yeah. as opposed to like when you're just, when you're cycling, there's no one here making my period come. Like it's just, my period comes when it's supposed to come. It's like, connected to God. It's connected to me. It's like, I know when I bleed, whether it's an anovulatory bleed, whether it's a period, whatever it is, like I have a bleed. It's like, okay, like for whatever reason, now's the time that I, like my husband and I are supposed to like have this physical space. I'm supposed to go into myself a little bit. I'm supposed to slow down. And it's like, we get to lean into that as opposed to like fighting it. It's like, we really could appreciate it and really like honor it as opposed to like, if we were on hormonal birth control, it's like, oh, so annoying. It's coming in two days and this is going to happen. And it almost, it felt like something was happening to me. You know, that's like what it felt like. That's like the shift. I feel like it used to feel like my, like it was happening to me and I had to do this and it was happening to me as opposed to now it's like, when it comes, it's like so welcomed and it's like, okay, like this is what my body needs right now. 
you know? So interesting. I feel like when you're not on the pill, it is easier to tap into that, the feminine energy around it where you're like, yeah, I can take this and, and kind of receive it in a different way as opposed to just, oh, this is messing up my schedule. Or I know for me, I'm like a very go, go, go person and probably have like energetically have a lot more masculine energy in that sense that I always have goals and I want to accomplish them. And I've really tried to use fertility awareness method to to not just be like, okay, these are the plans in my head, but this is the plan in my body right now. And this is what my hormones are saying that they need. And it's, it's exactly what you're saying. It's shifting from being like, oh, this is what's happening to me. And it's such a burden to a much deeper, richer experience. And it's not that I'm always like, woohoo, I'm on my period. It's not that, but it's more like, okay, I understand what's going on. My body's working the way it's supposed to. This is information for me to connect to my body with. And I feel like it's something that people probably had a much deeper sense of a longer time ago that we've lost sight of in our modern day and age. And it's a really cool way to tap back into that. Yeah, totally. And I think something else that you said that, which is also a really important part of like our cycle. And this is also like, just like another thing that I teach a lot is like cycle awareness and understanding the different phases of our cycle and how there's a time for everything in our cycle. There's a time to be active and productive and outgoing. And there's a time to also like retreat and slow down. And I think that that's a lot of what our cycle teaches us. And especially because I think in modern day, like we value like productivity so much. We value like going and moving and getting things done. And oftentimes we feel that type of energy around, like as we're getting closer to ovulation and around ovulation time, um, it's a time that we feel more energetic and outgoing, maybe more social. Maybe we could just like, like I found my, I find myself, I could just like clean my whole entire apartment. Like you just have so much energy. And then whereas around like premenstrually and during our menstrual cycle, um, during our bleed, we like, our body is like asking us to like slow down, like do a little bit less, like just like see me, like, please, like, just like give me a little bit of love, like give me a drop of rest, even if it's just five minutes. Um, And so many of us, I think, struggle with like PMS and miserable periods because like we fight it so much. Like we fight our bodies asking us to like slow down. Like we're so bad at it. You know, like we're so good at like the ovulatory energy. Yeah. So many of us are so bad at it. It's not just you. It's like, it's so hard. It's so hard to be like, my body's literally asking me to just lay on the couch. And like, I'm going to like do that. I'm going to leave my kitchen a mess. I'm going to leave, you know, whatever it is. and just be like, I can just lay on the couch for 10 minutes. And it's really hard to do, but I think that it's really, it's like, we, we, I don't know, like we just, if we're doing a disservice to our bodies by only like honoring one season of it, you know, like the season that like is active and outgoing and productive. And we're not honoring like the parts where it's like asking us to slow down. And like, I don't know. I just think that like, when we don't slow down, we're also not as productive. Like that's like the funny part about it. It's so hard to slow down. Cause we're like, I have so much to do. I need to be productive, but actually when we do slow down and we do move slower, we are so much more productive. And this is something I'm like trying to work on so much in my life. And like, it's a life journey, but it is also the truth of like, that's, and like, that's in like a day-to-day basis of just like in our living our lives, but also cyclically, you know what I mean? Like having a phase of our cycle where we maybe do a little bit less, where maybe like, maybe we order takeout instead of like cooking dinner. Cause we're just like, I just need oh, to move a little bit slower. Um, I always say, it doesn't mean you have to like call out from work on your period. Like if you could, and you want to amazing, but you don't have to do that. Maybe it just means like five extra minutes on the couch, you know, or like saying to a partner or to a friend, like, Hey, like, can you order dinner for me? Or like, can you clean the kitchen? Like asking for help if you need it, or just like 
you know, like we don't have to always do so much. Yeah. And I think it's also then feeling less guilty when you do those things. Cause I think a lot of people will say, okay, I'm at my wits end. I'm, I'm just ordering in dinner or I'm going to let this thing slide. And then they're so angry at themselves for letting a ball drop. And I think also with this is it gives you permission to tap into that because you're like, this is a real hormonal change and you can see it play out in all these different ways right. in your body, in your brain, in your temperature, which to me, it's like, it's such a random thing that your temperature changes, but it shows you how real these hormones affect you and in such an interesting way to measure. So it's really, it's so cool. And I think going along with what we're talking about is stress, because I know that stress is something that can really impact ovulation. I don't think women are always able to really integrate that information and be like, okay, yeah, sure. Stress will affect things, stress affects everything. But can you talk about how stress affects our cycles and ovulation specifically? Totally. Yeah. So it basically, when I mean, I feel like I'm sure you teach this a lot in like what you teach, but our body basically always wants to get that information of like, you are safe. Like that's kind of what our body always wants to feel. Like it always is trying to feel safe. And in order for it to function optimally, like it really does need to feel safe. And what safety might look like is eating enough food, sleeping well, um, doing all these different things that kind of like tell our body that we're safe. Um, And something that makes our body feel unsafe is obviously stress. And so like, I always kind of give this example with my clients that I teach is that like back in the day when we were being chased by lions, you know, we were running away from a lion and we're running, 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 and our body isn't completely in fight or flight and our heart rate is running and our blood sugar is being pumped out. And we're just like running. And we finally get back to our village that we were, and we just defeated, we just ran away from this lion and we are in this super fight or flight, fight or flight phase. Um, And even though we aren't today being chased by lions, Like our body doesn't know that when we have a bad call with our boss, when we have so much work, when our kids are yelling next to us, like our body doesn't know that I'm not being chased by a lion. It's like goes into that same exact stress response. Um, And during that time, imagine being chased by a lion. My body is like, okay, the last thing that I should be thinking about right now is getting pregnant. Like this is a terrible idea. Like I am literally running away from a lion. Like I will not get pregnant right now. Like, no. And when our body's in fight or flight, it basically just... It only focuses on our essential function and getting our heart rate up, getting our blood pressure up, getting our body enough blood sugar. It's only focusing on what's essential. And like the least essential thing is our reproductive health. And so that kind of gets thrown out the window when we're in fight or flight. And so, like I said, like this, we we do go through fight or flight a lot. Sadly, we're like, we live in stressful world. We're all stressed. That's just the reality. Oh, if I get a new email, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's happening? If I get a text from someone that says, hey, can we talk? I, my body is like, yeah. there's a full on tiger about to eat you. Exactly. And that's, I feel it. I feel the adrenaline flood my system from these things that I can say, obviously I'm safe. I, you know, but the body doesn't know necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Talia, you're such an amazing resource. I feel like more people who are just learning about this and are just scratching the surface here and want to know more, where can they learn more from you, follow you, take your courses, give us all the info. So you can find me on Instagram. My name is organic underscore fertility or just organic fertility. Um, And you basically, I basically offer um, workshops and full-on courses where it includes a lot of, includes a lot of one-on-one support for women who are either looking to learn this for birth control or for conception. I teach both. Um, So that's where you can find me on Instagram mostly. Okay. Amazing. Talia, thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge for us. And I hope everybody enjoyed listening to this episode. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to the About Health and Hormones podcast. If you loved today's episode, I would love to know. Please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so I can make this podcast even better for you all. I would love to connect with you. Follow me on Instagram at Lauren Allen Nutrition or head to my website, www.laurenallennutrition.com to learn about my coaching programs and stay up to date on all of my latest workshops and courses. I am so glad you are here today and I wish you all health and happiness.